Hi, this is James Altucher. Thank you for listening to Eric Cabral's Entrepreneur Circle. On this episode... I wasn't really raised to take big risks. We were raised to follow the safe route. You want that 401k and, and that healthcare plan. But growing up in New York City and being exposed to entrepreneurs here and everyone here is a mover and shaker and everyone's doing something great, that really rubbed off on me and that made me want to go and be a mover and shaker. <laughs> Hey there, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle podcast, where we inspire you by talking to entrepreneurs and business owners about mindset, goals, vision, tips and strategies on how to crush life and business. I am your host, Eric Cabral, real estate investor and a creative. I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director and made my way up the corporate ladder to become the creative director at the number one pharma company in the world. That was until I decided to hang up my corporate hat and start my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using social media and live stream events. Hit us up at info at onairbrands.com to learn more. Also, like, subscribe, and share this podcast on social. We greatly appreciate you for it. And also, don't hesitate to send us any feedback that you may have because we always love, love, love hearing from you. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to share what some of our sponsors, partners, and friends of the show have to offer you. Hello, this is Josh McCown, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business, reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. Welcome back, folks, to the Entrepreneur's Circle. Super excited to be here with you. We're good? And um, yeah, we are at a unique venue right now. So you're listening to us coming from Stand Up New York and my buddy Donnie's, ep uh, Donnie's episode. We're at Donnie's Stand Up Labs here in Stand Up New York. And um, I've been helping Donnie and we've been doing a lot of podcasts together. And um, I had an opportunity to interview his business partner, James Altucher recently. And then also Donnie's been on my show. So check that out on episode 21, where you can hear all about his story. But we're not talking about Donnie anymore. We're here to talk about, and please tell me, I don't want to mispronounce your first name. Rochelle. Rochelle, because I'm sure people say Rachel or Rochelle. So Rochelle. Yes. Balanzat. Balanzat. There you go. That's me. 
I was nervous before I said that, Max. So <laughs> Max, our audio engineer is here as well. Shout out to you, brother. Yeah, do, do you often get shout outs? Boom, there you go, you're welcome. But yeah, thank you for your hard work. Uh, so yeah, we're here at Podcast Row. Are you excited about being here? I am really excited, happy and thankful to be here. Yeah, well I'm excited to be here and to get into your story and to do a deep dive into your story. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're here and we're talking to business owners about all the wonderful things they do and all the great stuff they have to offer you, the listeners and people that you may know that you can start sharing and, 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 and caring and all the other stuff that rhyme with those words. But folks, we're here to, to, to talk to Rochelle about her business. But before we do that, we're gonna get into you, right? So what I like to do is get into your origin, what I like to call the superhero's origin oh. and what it is that bit you and turned you into a radioactive entrepreneur <laughs> crushing life and business. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, the origin story, I was born in the Philippines, mm. uh, came over to the U.S. when I was three, grew up in Bayonne, New Jersey, and then Jersey City, New Jersey. Isn't that like the Mayflower for like where all Filipinos come from the motherland? They go right to Bayonne yeah. or Jersey City. Jersey City or Queens. It's <laughs> definitely like New York. It's either like San Fran. San Fran. Or like or New Jersey. York. Yeah, yeah Jersey or New York. Yeah. I don't know how my parents landed in New York, um, but yeah, yeah. Were you born, you were born here? I was born here, yeah. Actually, you know, no, I was gonna say you're my first Filipina that come on the show, but I, ha I actually had one before you. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name's Andrea, but yeah, she's a she's a Filipina. I think she was she was born here like, like I was. I'm always embarrassed to meet folks like you that are born there and I <laughs> like seem to say I've never even been home. Oh, but okay. I should, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really, shame on me. You know shame what, we're me. gonna be friends now. Yes, yes. I will take you to all the cool cool spots. Oh, please. I can't, I can't wait to, to go back and, and eat all the good stuff yeah. because even though it's not good for us, it's it's good to eat. But yeah, so we're going to jump back into your story and tell tell us about you. You were born, you were there, you left at three. So you don't really remember so much that time. I, I remember bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Um, also looking through old photo albums, but you know, Philippines is, it's a, it's a very hot country. Yeah. Also, have you been back many times? Yeah, since? like a handful of times okay. there before. I mean, Filipinos, we have such large families. Yeah. So you can always go back and visit like aunts and uncles and cousins five times removed, you know? And we're like, oh, I haven't seen you. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> exactly. They hit me up on Facebook all the time. We're cousins. Yeah, they call me cuz. And yeah, I'm like, exactly. okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so that's how it is every time I go back to the Philippines and why I continue to go back to the Philippines. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very hot country, not a lot of opportunities in the Philippines. So I'm very thankful to be able to come over to the U.S. and pursue an education and live out the American dream. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, tell us about that. So your early days here, um, what was your path and what were some of the things that led to your, you know, your entrepreneurial mindset? Because mm. we're going to talk on a personal level here because I, I, I'm going to pose as if I know you, but our culture... It's very difficult because the mindset there is very um, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Absolutely. It's always like, what's that person have? And I need something, I need to one-up them by buying a better car or a better house. It's very competitive and, and materialistic. I hate to generalize because I love you guys very, very much, 
But growing up, that was a difficult mindset to get past for me because I got caught up in it. Mm -hmm. So did you get caught up in that sort of part of the culture and then break from that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. From a very young age, um, you know, when you're in school, you're already judged on your grades. Uh, you know how 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 well you performed. Well, my kid performed. Well, my kid did that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, and, and they all love. They're like, oh, it's great, great. But then behind the scenes, are like, oh, that person's this. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> exactly. So I actually caught on to that real young, and I stood up for myself, and I said, stop comparing me because I'm my own person, and when my time comes, I will outdo everyone. Which was pretty much what I said when I was nine. Love it. Love it. <laughs> but uh, going back to the mindset of growing up in the Philippines and coming from that culture, you're absolutely right. There's that side of it. The other side of it is that we weren't raised, I wasn't really raised to take big risks, mm-hmm. which is important if, you're, if you decide to become an entrepreneur. We were raised to follow the safe route of either being a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, or nurse. Uh, and that is because we come from a place of lack, right? Philippines mm-hmm. is so difficult to, to, to get out of that when you come to another country, you just want the stability of something. Right. You want that 401k and, and that healthcare plan and saved mm-hmm. up college tuition. So that was very much the upbringing that I, that I had. But growing up in New York City, and being exposed to entrepreneurs here and the opportunities here and everyone here is a mover and shaker and everyone's doing something great, that really rubbed off on me and that made me want to go and be a mover and shaker. (laughs) And that's how it started shifting for me on a personal level. Gotcha. So yeah, tell me about some of those moments where you realized, you know what? They're doing it. Why can't I do it? You know what? Yeah. What was that impetus there? It was. I guess it goes back to college. I was at Fordham, and there were a lot of um, trust fund babies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was there on scholarship. Mm-hmm. So there was. Yeah. Um, and just the other students had really nice things and were going on these really nice vacations. And I thought to myself, what are they doing or what do they have that I don't have? Mm -hmm. And that started the question. And then that started me on a journey of what do I have to do to go out and live the life that I want? Mm -hmm. Um, So I went and took my first job in finance. I worked for Kohlberg Capital Corporation. Um, at that time, I didn't really know what I wanted. I just wanted money. Yeah. I wanted money. Finance. Yeah. Let's get into it and understand what it's all about. Who cares about passions? Who cares about what I'm good at? Go and get the money. Take the highest paying job and do that. So I did that. And then then I was so focused on going after that corner office. Well, I'm going to be a financial analyst. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to go be chairman of the board, right? Yeah, yeah. Like 22 years old. Make my parents proud. Exactly, right? I can get that Louis Vuitton bag, right? (laughs) (laughs) Drive that Beamer, drive that Mercedes. Yeah. Um, so I was on that trajectory and then the market crashed in mm. 2008. And um, suddenly the people around me that I was looking up to and the people around me that I wanted to be like who were infinitely better, infinitely smarter, infinitely more experienced, more skills were afraid. And these were grown people with real responsibilities. They had mortgages, they had spouses, they had college tuitions. Mm-hmm. I had no responsibilities. And that's when I realized that stability is an illusion. That shattered my entire upbringing of chasing stability, of chasing any form of stable paycheck, because it does not exist. Right. 
I was in the market where you had the biggest paychecks and the biggest bonuses and suddenly everyone lost it. Mm. So I quit. And I went to uh, Italy, I went to Florence. I continued my Italian studies, did Vienna, Buddha, I had that find myself moment. Okay, wait, let's rewind before you, okay. before you took that plane. What the heck did your parents say when you were like, I'm gonna quit a job. I didn't lose my job, I'm actually gonna quit. Exactly, so they were was, like, no, you're crazy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> my mom was like, uh, why? <laughs> yeah, she yeah. had a really, you know, I said to her, mom, if there was ever a time that I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail right now while I've got nothing to lose. And I'm still young enough where I could fall on my ass and still get up. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't want to take these kinds of risks when I have children to provide for or a mortgage to take care of. Because not to say that you can't take those risks, but only to say that it becomes that much more harder right. to take those risks. And there's so much more at stake if you do fail. Yeah. I was at a point of, of my life where I was still very young, had a clean slate and had no responsibilities. Mm -hmm. That if anyone was gonna get hurt, it was gonna be me. And I told my mom that and she appreciated it and she, she saw the drive in me that I was gonna do this regardless of what she said. And so she was like, oh, I knuckle. <laughs> awesome. Do they still say that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes I say to my, you know, my, my Filipino friends, I'll say old swear words and they laugh at me. Because yeah. they're like, dude, they don't say that. That was like from the 70s. I'm like, well, that's my parents swearing when I was a kid. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. so wait, I just want to rewind before mm -hmm. we take off to Italy mm -hmm. um, to give you kudos for having the foresight at such a young age to say, you know what, I'm going to take this risk now instead of, you know, 15, 20 years later, realizing it and saying, I should have, you know, like you already knew. And, you know, there aren't a lot of people that, you know, are in that stage of their life that think that far ahead. They're more thinking, and myself included, let me party, you know, let me hang out, you know, let me, you know, go have a good time, especially you're in New York City and there's the world at your fingertips, but you don't realize it until later, you know? Right. So yeah. good for you, oh, um, you. For, for doing that. So yeah, continue. Oh, yeah, so then uh, I went over to um, Florence, Vienna, Budapest, Prague, no plan, no So why idea. there? Well, uh, well, I studied Italian at university. Mm. And so I've always had a Can love. Can you say something in Italian? Si, piacere. Ah, <laughs> bene. Molto bene. Molto bene, yeah, it's been so long. Grazie. <laughs> Grazie mille, yeah. But I, ha I still have a dream of retiring in Italy, so I still work oh. hard towards that goal. Awesome. Um, but th that's why I chose Italy. And I just, Vienna, because I'm a fan of classical music. Mm. I went to Budapest because I wanted to try out the baths. And I went to Prague because I wanted to see the bridges. Okay. And the sunsets, and um, I forgot. You're so name. romantic. Yeah, I'm a hopeless romantic. <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to art, you know. Okay. Art and life. I'm very I'm very romantic. Very cool. So that's why I went there to find that inspiration. Came back to New York with absolutely no plan, uh, no goals, nothing. How long and were you there for? A summer. A summer. Okay. Yeah, a summer. Um, and just by luck, a friend introduced me to a friend who ran a creative agency. Mm. And I said, yeah, I can, I'll do this. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I was, I worked for a creative agency. Okay. We worked on big brands. Um, what was we, your role? Uh, business development, okay. but also personal assistant. <laughs> 
Okay. So it was, you know, it was one of those roles where it's like, you're this, but you're also getting yeah. the groceries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a Swiss army knife, but we're, we're mainly going to use you as the screwdriver yeah, or the cork. Exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, I, what am I doing with my life? I had a great job and now I'm picking up groceries. But uh, anyway, hey. you know, what? Yeah. whatever. I did. I was so excited to be there because yeah. we were doing uh, footage with like Beyonce and Britney mm, Spears. Yeah. And it was, it was so exciting to be around the celebrities and that fast-paced life yeah. of agency world. Mm -hmm. But more important, this is now 2009, mm -hmm. and social media is like kind of a thing. Yeah. There's like this Facebook thing happening. Mm -hmm. They had just rolled out Facebook pages. Yeah. Twitter, YouTube was coming out, mm -hmm. like blogging was starting to be a thing. Yeah, people starting to realize that social media could be used as a tool for business and not just for, hey, who's hanging out and what are you eating? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So then we were getting quotes, you know, like project proposals from Max Mara and Lucky Brand Jeans and Fresh on to build out their social media, to build out their Facebook. So now here I am again with seasoned, uh, seasoned marketers and designers, mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out the social media thing, and I'm doing the research for them, and I said, hold up this levels the playing field mm -hmm. because y'all don't know anything about it. The big agencies don't know anything uh, about it. I know nothing, but I can learn. Yes. So I quit and I started my own company. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. And I started my own company. It was a boutique social media agency. And what I did was I trained companies on how to do their Facebook, how mm. to do their YouTube, their Twitter. Meanwhile, you were figuring it out too, Meanwhile, right? But that was the trick. I that was it. the trick because no one knew what it was. And when yeah. no one knows anything, that's the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then they can't say, well, that's not how you do it. I'm like, no, prove it. So, hey, I just <laughs> want to highlight to everyone out there listening. So. What Rochelle is talking about here is something that a lot of people don't recognize in themselves is to actually be able to recognize an opportunity and then to just take it, even though, you know, someone will say, oh, but I don't have any experience doing that, but neither does anyone else, right? And you understood that, right? And you took it and you ran with it and, and we'll continue. I just want to <laughs> highlight that for everyone yes. who's listening. Yeah, and, and it was a great learning experience and a marvelous failure. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Which is another one of the greatest things, lessons for an entrepreneur is yes. understanding failure. Absolutely. Because the biggest lesson from that experience was learning how difficult it is to scale a mm. company. So as an agency, you know, I would take on designers and do per project basis. And then my biggest client was taking up all of my time. I said, how am I going to grow if most of my time is on one client? Mm. So two, three years in, I folded the company. Mm. And I worked for another company as their head of marketing. This was a tech startup. Mm -hmm. And then that's where I was exposed to the technology world. And I mm. said, wait, anyone can do technology <laughs> and not know how to code? Yeah. Um, so I was like, whoa. So then the lights, light bulbs went off again. I said, wait, all of your engineers are in India? Mm -hmm. Wait, there's a cloud thing? Mm -hmm. You know, because back then you needed to buy these massive servers yeah. if you wanted to enter the tech industry. Right. Now everything was cloud-based yeah. and everything was like freelancer-based and yeah. Fiverr-based and go mm -hmm. to Ukraine, go to Costa Rica. Get, you don't need to know how to code to be in technology. Right. That was the biggest lesson there. Mm -hmm. Which then brought me to around 2013 when I was struggling with laundry and dry cleaning. And 
I was having problems. I mean, personally, not yeah, at a personally, business level. Yeah. yeah, personally. I was just having problems with having the local cleaner pick up and deliver my clothes. Mm-hmm. And I was using a lot of Seamless during that time. Mm-hmm. And I said Seamless where you would pick up, they, you would order from the restaurant and they would deliver it to you. Okay, the food, yeah. 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 And I said, why isn't there a Seamless for laundry and dry cleaning? Mm-hmm. And that started me on the path of, to where I am today. Okay, yeah, so yeah, let's do it. That's perfect segue, because we, we got your, I want to know more about your personal story, um, but we, we could rewind yeah. if we had yeah, to. Yeah. But yeah, that's the perfect yeah. segue into Juliet Cleaners. So yeah, so so let's 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 jump into it. Okay, yeah. um, what my company does or how I ended up in it? <laughs> no, so yeah, so you, you ended up, I feel like you, we're, we're there, right? We're in yeah. it, yeah, but yeah, yeah, however you want to take it, because yeah, I want to know more. Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> I would call the cleaners. Sometimes they'd come pick up, sometimes they'd come and deliver, but there was a lot of inconsistency there. So that's already frustrating point number one. So that business did exist, they just weren't doing it well. Exactly. Gotcha. As I started researching, looking, really looking into this, I realized that there was a language barrier Mm -hmm. between a lot of storefront cleaners, at least in New York City, and Mm -hmm. I was living in Soho, Chinatown. Mm -hmm. So there was a language barrier, and then there was this, wait, but my clothes aren't really coming back clean. Like, why are there stains here? And then I started thinking, oh, okay, so there's a quality control issue here. And then I started looking at the packaging because going back to my background at the creative agency, I said, why doesn't it look good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why isn't it packaged well? Why doesn't it have my name on it? Well, you know, what, where's the experience here? And then I started connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. I said, we're lacking a tech solution. You're lacking a branding solution. You're lacking QC and you're lacking customer service. Wow. Okay. Those are all the, the value points of Juliet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant business mind and, and, and brilliant way to sort of focus on, on all the pain points. That, so did you, this was your personal experience. Did you validate that by talking to other customers or other people and their experiences? Like, did you do some sort of, you know, yes, crowdsourcing? Yes, I did, but now I'm five years into it. And mm. what I realized in a city like New York, the most valuable thing is someone's time. Yeah. And people are just too busy to do the laundry, too busy to take it there, too too busy. And Even though it's on the corner. Yeah. And what <laughs> they want is a click on their app. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they want. So even though Juliet delivers on all the other promises, for New Yorkers especially, they really value the convenience, consistency, and ease of it. Right, right. Which is our economy, right? Exactly. Everybody wants the ease. That's where in the, econ- the ease economy where mm. people just want the package on their doorstep. They just want the food delivered. Why not their clothes as well, right? Exactly. So good for you to recognize uh, a white space in that industry. So you're five years into it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah. have you, do you have more than one location? Have you branched yes. out? Yes. So I mean, yeah, tell us what's going on. So 2014, we launched, we were just an app and I would be renting a small space and other cleaners. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, I went and I got my own store on 87th and Broadway. Okay. Uh, I brought that to capacity and I, I opened up my second location in the Bronx, mm-hmm. like just a month ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So you built the, you built the company based on tech and, and, and all of those pain points that you and your customers were feeling, and now you're five years into it. So I, I don't want to jump into today then. I want to talk about so mm-hmm. the early days and then how did you scale this business? Because that's always, like you said, the biggest 
hurdle for entrepreneurs is, you know, I, I the startup goggles, like beer goggles, it's very easy to, and exciting to get into a business and start it up the first year. But then when you start to get into the two, three year mark, it becomes really difficult to grow and to scale. And eventually the majority of us fold, right? So mm-hmm. um, tell us, let's rewind back to you building it and then starting to scale. Mm-hmm. It was really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> tell us some of the war oh, stories. My goodness. I want to hear it because I need it I'll, I'll personally. Tell, I'll tell fun stories. I'll tell yeah. fun, fun no, stories. I want to hear the difficulty too. Yeah, yeah, a fun story that's really difficult, okay. right? So um, I would be attending, there's one time I attended a gala. I was wearing a gown. Mm. And immediately afterwards, I had to do pickups and deliveries in my truck. picking up and delivering laundry and processing everything from my van. And I think that really shows how difficult it is in those early years because you can't really afford that much staff, Mm -hmm. right? You still have to keep the everyday operations running. And when you're a solo entrepreneur or you're just starting out, all of those operations really rest on your shoulders. And it eats into not only your your life, but the life of those around you. Mm Right. So I think I fell off the earth for like two years, just didn't see friends or family or nothing because I was just so focused on this and so tired. And it it eats up your thoughts. It eats up your dreams. It it just eats into your into your life. Right. That's what it felt like for me, Mm -hmm. that no matter what I was doing, even if I took a break and attended a birthday party or I would just miss so many things. I would always prioritize the company's operations. Right. So you got stuck into what many of us get stuck in is working in the business and not on the business. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so tell us about some of the things that you did to sort of start working on and being the visionary that you are. <clears throat> okay. So this is where op- opportunities and synchronicity and well, the world alliance just yeah. kind of comes into play. I'll talk about the really, really low point and how I pivoted. Mm. So the lowest point that I had was when I got kicked out of where I was doing all the cleaning. Mm. You mean as a tenant, you were a tenant? Yeah, I was like basically just renting a very small space inside of an existing facility. Using their equipment. Yeah, do it, you know, and well, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got kicked out. And I was like, well, this is <laughs> this is the service that I deliver. If I have nowhere to clean clothes, I have to fold my company. Yeah. And so I was aimless for about a week, mm-hmm. just literally sitting on my ass, not knowing what to do. I was basically taking clients' clothes and then taking it to a cleaner. Be like, can you clean this? And then like, I know I probably shouldn't say that, but you know what? You but the, what you but, but that's that was the reality. For like one week, I literally had nothing and I just... I refused to give up. I think that was really important was there's so many moments where you feel like calling it quits or everyone around you is telling you to quit, but I never did. It never even entered my mind as a possibility, which is a really defining and really helpful. But at that moment, I was so lost. And then um, a friend of my mom, was like, I've got a store on 87th and Broadway that I don't want anymore. What? Yeah, completely out of the blue. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) You have a dry cleaning store that you don't want anywhere? I'll take it. I was like, I'm ready, you know, and then my mind, and then I just jumped on that opportunity. And that was a a pivotal moment for me because then I inherited existing cash flow, existing clients. So you bought the business? Yeah, I bought the business. What? And then I rebranded it and then- Did you know anything about buying businesses? No. Did you ever do it before? No. 
Wow. So yeah. you just jumped in it and you I said, this is... I mean, this is so what? I feel like so much of entrepreneurship is you do things you don't know and yeah. you figure it out along the way, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, take us, take us there because um, I want to hear about that experience. So you jump in, you had no idea. How did you get the capital? How did you get the staff? What did you do to sort of jump in there and get things operating? You, you know, again, this... this this goes back to synchronicity and opportun- being opportunistic or knowing where the opportunities are. But more importantly is having people like you mm-hmm. and having people trust you. Yeah. And so I had an honest conversation and granted it was a family friend. It was a friend of my mom's. And so they've kind of, they've known me. Um, and I was really honest about where I was and where I wanted to go and what I could afford today. Mm-hmm. And we entered into a feasible payment plan okay. where I looked at that business's finances, what I could do to bring it up and then slowly pay them for it. Okay. And that's how we worked it out. So no lawyers, no banks, just no a handshake. Yeah, really yeah. just a handshake. And that that came down at the end of the day. It was trust between two people. Gotcha. So they basically acted as your bank for that period of time. So there was no equity stake. There was no negotiations to be a partner in the business. Good for you. So are you the sole owner yet, partners? I'm the sole owner. Good for you. I'm thank so you. proud of you. I don't even know you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. Really. So so now uh, that was about what year? Two? That was 2017. Three. That was April 2017. Okay. So that was well, how many years into so Juliet? So like three, cleaners? two and a half. Because we launched September 2014. Okay. So so now you got that operating. You have your very first storefront. How proud were you that I'm moment? I'm so That's proud. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're operating that. You're rocking and rolling. I see this as a movie. We need to make a movie about your oh, life. Oh, please do. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're in there, you're rocking and rolling. So were there any speed bumps along the way after that? Now you had that all. <laughs> so many speed bumps <laughs> that I'm going through right now again, opening a second space. Awesome. You know, it's it's like I've never been a homeowner, mm-hmm. but I remember my mom when she had her house, she'd be like, you know, and then you'd fix the window and then the door would break and then you'd fix the door yeah. and then the AC would break, it was, yeah. you know, and it was kind of, it was like that because... Yeah. This space had been there since 98. Mm-hmm. And so it had never been touched. Like the paint was peeling off the floors. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it needed some TLC. Mm-hmm. And I that's what I walked into. But I didn't care because I, I had something to work with. Yeah. And so the beginning was very much just cleaning the space up. And that required a lot of capital. Mm-hmm. Again, going through my network of friends and finding a contractor that can meet me and do agreeable pay payment terms uh, helped a lot. I think that has been the biggest um, help on my entire entrepreneurial journey mm-hmm. is finding people who will work with you on payment terms, mm-hmm. especially when you don't have access to capital or banks right. or credit cards. Yeah, That helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, so that helped me get the space up and running. And then um, when the space was up and running, then it was, I mean, it's business as usual. You, you got to market and you got to... Yeah. Deliver on a service, on a promise. Right, exactly. I, 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 I want to highlight to people who are listening as well is <clears throat> what it sounds to me like uh, Rochelle has built is a network of people that know, like, and trust her. And I'm always preaching how important that is. Um, if you are an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and anything, you, it, just being a person, <laughs> being a good person. Um, when it comes to your face in the mud, these people are going to be the ones that are going to help you because they trust in your vision. They trust in you. They like you and they believe that they believe in you. 
basically. And it sounds to me like that was critical to your your growth yeah. and to you evolving into who you are um, along the way. So um, we're getting the red flag here to sort of wrap things up. But obviously, you know, we are now lifelong friends and we're going to continue Yay. talking about, you know, business and how we can partner and work together. But um, so... I have a section of the show here where we talk about the recipe for success. And you've talked about tons of ingredients to those recipes, but what are some of the key things in your life when thrown into a blender was really critical to you, um, you know, evolving and, and, and being successful? I'm going to say number one, kindness, mm -hmm. and number two, grace under pressure. So the kindness is what helped me move forward and the grace under pressure is what helped me when things weren't working well and I got kicked out of that space and I was in the mud. Uh, years later, I am now friends with that same owner and we're working together to see if there's ways to collaborate in the future. Yeah. And, that, and it's so important to keep your relationships intact and to not burn bridges. Um, those are the two things. I love say. that. That's so true. No matter how much every fiber in your being is telling you to, to just scream and yell and to lose your cool. I love that grace under pressure because it is critical because you never know who that next person or who that person knows. Or, you know, I often deal with business owners who lose it um, either to me or I see to others. And I'm like, don't you realize the importance of your reputation? And um, yeah, that's, 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 I'm so yeah. glad you highlighted that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so how can people best reach you? What's the best ways people can sort of get into your circle? Yeah. Uh, well, go to the company website, julietcleaners.com. You can download our app on the app store, juliet.la. Follow me on Instagram, iRochelle. Awesome. Uh, what is there? iRochelle. iRochelle. Yep. So um, I, I wanted to sort of quickly, since we have a couple of minute or two left, right? Um, how exactly does your system work? Like for, okay, give me, walk me through okay. the user experience. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Okay, so you have my app. Yeah. You request a pickup. There's no scheduling because we pick up every night between 7 and 10. Mm -hmm. You leave it with your doorman. We pick it up. We clean it. We return it tomorrow between 7 and 10 p.m. Wow. That's that it. fast of a turnaround, yeah. no matter how much of a load it is. Really? Yeah, seven days wow. a week. So folks, seven days a week, 24-7. Yep. That's amazing. That's amazing service that you you figured out a system so people enjoy the service. The 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 obviously the brand. It's funny because I never you never ever ever think branding when it comes to dry cleaning or cleaning in general, right? It's just well, a service that's in the back end. You know, whatever. I'm going to take this opportunity to not only talk about how beautiful it is, but how environmentally responsible we are mm. because we don't use plastic or wire hangers. Oh. We use reusable garment bags and black velvet hangers. Wow, that's sexy. I love that. Look, Max is smiling. He's like, I'm in it. I'm a customer. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So download the app. What's the name of the app again? Juliet. Juliet. And look for her at julietcleaners.com and Instagram at iRochelle. Yep. Right? And uh, folks, you're welcome for introducing this beautiful soul to you. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being thank on the show. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast 
platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral. And as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle.